0: And they're put into a cabin with leaders that love them. And and I think the big thing is that leaders go from that weird person who I don't really know who you are and parents don't really know who you are to that's my leader. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples. Moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Disciple-Making Youth Ministry. There are four of us around the table today. Yes,
1: we have, what would be, we've doubled since the last time we were together? Or we added one more? We've
0: added one more. There's four of us. We've got Roger and Jack here from PKF. They're going to introduce themselves here in a moment. But today, we're going to be talking about camps and discipleship. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, a huge conversation when we think of the role of camps in youth ministry. And I know I think back to my own life and how that's been. So I'm excited for our conversation today and what that's gonna be.
1: Yeah, so I thought it'd be fun for us to start by uh, talking about some of our favorite camp memories or stories that we've had, all right? Now, they could be super serious, but those are nice, but it's the like funny ones that we're really kind of aiming for here. Now, we kind of prompted it by saying, by either being like a student yourself, like a story you had as a student, or as a leader at camp, which I have had many of those and many experiences with that. So, um, who wants to start, who has a story from camp that they want to share? That won't currently get you fired. Right. <laughs> right.
2: Well, it's funny how you set it up because when you asked that, I immediately thought of only funny stories. Right okay. now, That's totally
1: fine. <laughs> like Not like you met Jesus at right. camp or like anything like
2: memories. that. <laughs> um, well, I think the first best memory, that I have to start with is I met my wife at school. Okay.
1: That's a good first memory.
2: Yeah. Um so yeah, met Meredith when we were entering in ninth grade. So great memory there. But as a leader, I mean I have to share the story and I'll keep it brief, but um was a leader for my brother and his group of crazy friends and you know, to keep it brief, uh, <laughs> there was a bathroom incident <laughs> and
1: oh, but you almost have to tell the whole story well i mean because i was there so there's so much
2: there's a lot know. of layers
1: to there's it. a lot of layers to it
2: okay so yeah we're sitting outside waiting to get picked up for the wave runners all in our board shorts um you know i had new new flip-flops on and it was <laughs> feeling pretty cool as a leader um, but actually the night before somebody had brought out their like clippers, so. Naturally, we gave each other like ridiculous haircuts, so we're all rocking mohawks, feeling pretty cool. Um, and I'm the leader, junior leader, probably like I don't know, sophomore in high school.
1: Now, I would like to point out that I was the trip leader <laughs> <Junior>. for that <laughs> that, that yes. camp. Those are all of our students, but yeah. Jack and Jordan, they had control of that whatever that was. Yeah. So. Or at least they thought they did.
2: Ridiculous haircuts. <laughs> waiting for the wave runners, and we see like the head of one of the you know, cheap guys at Grace Adventures come storming out of the, the bathroom with a look on his face. And a couple of our guys trailing behind him. You're like, oh,
1: gosh. I yeah, know. what did they do? What
2: did we do? So, <laughs> Ben Christie and Cole Constantino. His oh, name and names. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. I, they, there's no shame. No, there's that. no shame. They'll they own it. They know what they did. They know what they did. Uh, pooped in the urinal and, you know, got in trouble, blah, blah, blah. We, He's like, stand up. Everybody line up. He's like, who's your leader? And I'm like standing on the end, like, "Ah," yeah. Raise my hand. But like, I mean, we were like all have ridiculous haircuts, and I just felt like so ill-equipped. Anyways, um, they're like, there's gonna be punishment, blah blah blah, like really hyping it up. And like, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, is this a big deal? Is it not a big deal? Um, Anyways, so like you guys aren't going on the Wave Runners, you're getting on this other bus, we're taking you to the ranch. So I go, okay, we're going to the ranch. I wonder what's going to happen at the ranch. <laughs> so we go to the ranch, and basically the, the chief ranch guy like lays into us all, tells us, you know, whatever. But we're still feeling okay. Um, but then he lays out our punishment, which was very fitting. And, you know, long story short, for the, the whole afternoon until dinner we are, you know, tasked with going down to where all the horse crap is, mm-hmm. fitting punishment, shoveling the horse crap into buckets, getting the buckets and walking it. Like, I don't know how far it was. seemed really far um, in dumping it out. So we did that all afternoon. But like the worst part was just like, they didn't have like enough good equipment for everybody. So half like the people had like terrible shovels. And just buckets. And it's like one of those scenarios where like it's just awkward and you're always like smacking your ankles. But we're still like in our full like uh, beach boy. <laughs> so everybody's New like, flip flops yes, and all. Exactly. That's why I referenced that because they were like white rainbows. And I was like all excited about it. But everybody just covered in horse poop. And it was a very fitting punishment. And that's the story.
1: So two things about that. So the one is, is like, even though it was the two guys, uh, we actually had like, we kind of like let them know ahead of time, like even before we'd gone on that trip, because they were like a motley crew of guys who made really bad decisions. And I said to them, I said, I just want to let you know, you're all accountable for each other. So that was my like pep talk to them. And so the first thing is, is that when when it was the two of them who did it, I I mean, what, what was like a group of like eight guys? Yeah. So and I said all of you have to go. And the second thing I felt so bad about is I did send you and Jordan with them to like oversee them, but then they made you work too.
2: Oh, and yeah. <laughs> by the worst part was just no remorse, like out of either of those guys.
1: Like, right. Like, yeah. This, it was- that was that was the hardest part. You know, you would think that they would have learned their lesson, but. But no. Actually, one of them actually runs a ranch now. So, then, then why, so there's that.
0: <laughs> if, if the ranch pickup poop was a punishment, why wasn't that a punishment when we got pranked?
1: I don't know. I, maybe it was the wrong person who caught them. I guess. Yes. I guess. Are we just going to stick to poop stories? No, I,
0: that's, that was my only reference there. Yeah. Um, I have a story yeah. about Lauraville that I want to share that I still have never been. I told I, I was told I was going to have to pay for the damage, and I still never have but it was like eight, nine years ago. And the the girl, Kaylin, who we have on staff now was a part of this. So if you need to go after someone, you can go after her. But it was uh, Ron Cepek was speaking at Laureville that mm-hmm. week and he was talking about wall jumping. Yep. And he told the story of sprinting in his college classroom and planting mm-hmm. on a wall. And my sixth grade girls thought that was the funniest thing ever. And they proceeded for hours to wall jump into their bathroom door in one of the cabins at Laureville and completely busted the door, uh, just full on sprinting flying into the door and falling back onto a mattress. And so that that's a pretty awesome story. And then I bumped into Ron C. Peck three years ago as he was getting ordained here at this church at an EPC uh, gathering. And I was like, do you remember me? He goes, Jeremy Collins, your girls broke the door. I'm like, yeah, that's us.
1: <laughs> it does have a that's great memory. Us. He does. Yeah. I, I have, I can't think of one right now off the top of my head. I'm trying to, you, you took one. That was good. That was a good memory too. Um, what about you, Roger?
3: Yeah, I've got a, a story as a camper. Um, this is not, this not happened at a PKF camp and I'm not going to name names because my leader at the time is currently a lead pastor. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. Right. Um, but anyway, we were at a camp in Florida and I was a, I was a camper, uh, like early high school. And my leader, we're, we're walking through the, the breakfast buffet. My leader's like, hey, everyone, you've got pockets. Put like put an orange in your pockets. Grab an apple, like take fruit back to your room. And we're like, oh, OK. Like blind because he's the leader. Right. right. We're like, I'm a good student. I'm going to I'm going to bring these oranges back to our room. And then we were not staying on this camp's campus. We were staying down the road uh, in a condo about like seven or eight floors up. And it gets like the the sun sets. It's nighttime. There are people out on the beach. And my leader turns to us, there are four or five of us in the room, turns to us and gets this big grin on his face and pulls out one of those water balloon launchers. And is like, all right, boys, it's time. And we're like, what are we doing like we don't have any water balloons and then it slowly dawns on each of us like oh the oranges and so (laughs) we i have distinct memories of like that sliding door to our balcony being open and like one to the two tallest kids were posted up holding that water balloon launcher as tight as they could and then, like, my leader was pulling it back and launching. It was like a mortar crew. Yeah. Like, we were calling out, like, locations. We were like, all right, there's a guy with an acoustic guitar about 300 <laughs> feet, a uh, little bit
0: to the left, one click Still left. Still playing Wonderwall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When you to knew what you day. were doing, you shot from inside the room so they couldn't see you. Oh, right. Uh, th-
3: now, this is terrible. You might cut this. But, um, <laughs> like, the, the next night... I remember we, we had done this like two nights in a row, I think, and the, naturally people started to complain. And so the next night, um, like condo security, like knocks on our door and they're like, who's uh, who's in charge here? And we all like look at our leader and he walks over like he's about to take it. And the guy, I specifically remember this because it's a, probably a gray area, maybe even not. But the guy asks, like, were you launching fruit? off of your balcony tonight and my leader looks him dead in the eye and goes no sir we were not launching fruit off the balcony tonight and we he turns around like they say bye he's like frustrated our leader turns around and he looks at each of us and we're like you you just lied to that guy like what the (laughs) heck he's like boys i did not lie because he specifically asked if we were launching fruit tonight had he said any time i would have confessed oh my goodness gracious we uh, looking at it now as like an adult, I'm like ah, he probably just didn't want to get us sent home right. from Florida right. to, to Pittsburgh. Early. Yeah, that
1: would have been inconvenient. A little bit. So they'll just have to deal with the Lord. <laughs> um, so I, I'm I'm sitting here. I was trying to rack my brain. I had like a couple. I think um, one was interesting because it was like the sentimental meets like uh, kind of an interesting memory. One was uh, Jason Samuel spoke once and he had these broken pottery pieces. And like everybody had to like a write some sort of sin or some brokenness on them. And it was like Wednesday night of the week long camp. And Wednesday night tends to be the Saturday night of the weekend camp. And for some reason, like every one of my students, it was like 25 was just in utter tears. And they were all just like going up and, you know, the Lord's work. Right. Remember, it only works if they're crying. Right. That's how That's how it works at camp. And so uh, the very next day, I had people come up to me and they were like, did someone in your group die? Like the the emotional response from my students was so stark in comparison to the moment that like it took like one kid and then a bunch of empathetic criers or sympathetic cries around them. And then it was just like puddles of tears everywhere. Um uh, what's another favorite? Well, I'll, t- I'll, uh, camper, I'll, I'll do a when I was a camper story. So when I was a camper, I basically only went to camp because of girls. I mean, there's always that one. But that was me. And so I remember there was always this classic. We went to Wesley Woods. It was the United Methodist camp. Uh, that's probably about an hour, 45 minutes from here. And I remember I was like, you know, I was probably like in 10th grade or something like that. And there was always the Saturday night water balloon fight. And so one year, though, it was really slippery out and there was these girls that I kind of all liked that were on the other side of camp. And so when the water balloon fight started happening, I was running up and down the sidewalk and they threw water or not they not the girls, but somebody threw a water balloon at me. I fell on the ground and skid up my knee. So I walked all the way over to the girls cabin because what was I looking for? Uh, i i need the sympathy i need them just i well i yeah well i needed (laughs) help as an insecure teenager but like they kind of called me out about it so they so i walked into I was like, guys i fell i'm trying to escape they're like why did you walk all the way over to this side of camp in order to get help and i was like oh i just didn't know where else to go so that's not like a favorite memory of mine but that is a memory of mine but uh Yeah, camp was always interesting for me because it was fun to get away, but as I always like to say, is like the, the reason why we're here is not always the reason why students are here, and so I always have to keep that in mind because I was once that kid, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my story. Yeah, one
0: uh, that always sticks out, and I, I use it often when talking about camp and what the role that camp has had in my life, it comes back to my eighth grade summer. Uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I was at church every Sunday, but my faith was never real.
1: And I remember
0: one night after hearing the gospel probably for the hundredth time, yep. um, just sitting out on the steps of the cabin. My camp counselor, Will, sitting with me and eight-year-old or eighth-grade me, just crying, which usually wouldn't happen. Um, just at the weight of recognizing, seeing the stars so clearly, and just realizing God that created all of that. I'm I'm nothing, and He still loves me. Mm. Um, and it wasn't that I hadn't even accepted Christ in my heart before I had, but that was the first moment that like it became real. And it, I don't remember anything else about that weekend. Um, I don't remember anyone in my cabin. Like it, it, None of that. I just remember that moment. And then that moment coming home and going through that again and again and almost going back to that as a remembrance, as a reminder of what God has said and done, seeing that backed up in His Word. So that, that's one of those memories that just... Uh, that's why I bring kids to camp, Yeah. Uh, to be alongside, to be the will for them that I needed in that moment, um, who was just willing to sit on the, the steps with a snotty, bawling eighth grade boy and just, yeah, preaching the gospel. So uh, that that's one of those moments that I can look back and just it, my life shifted Yeah. Uh, in that
1: moment. So you ended with the sentimental. I did. That's totally fine. I, it'll, it'll work as well you know, we, that is why we go to camp so that people can meet Jesus. So that's good.
0: But so, that moment wouldn't have happened without right, the yeah, other stuff
1: it. too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so we want to turn it over to you guys. And so Jack and Roger, um, you guys have been involved in mine and Jeremy's life for a long, long time. Obviously you were a student, then a, you know, then a leader. And then, you know, I met you as the you know, creative director and, and you know, things of that nature when you were doing program uh, for Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. So give us a little bit of your, um, Uh, kind of your background and, uh, you know, how you ended up in this position here.
3: Yeah. Um, Cool. So my background's kind of media, um, photo, video, uh, most of that tech stuff. Um, And in 2009, I was actually in high school and had just started or was a couple months into photography, taking pictures. Uh, I had a decently nice camera and the guy that was doing the video at Surf City that year called me up. We were like, we had gone to church together years ago um, when I was in elementary school, he calls me up out of the blue. And it's like, hey, I hear you're into photos. Uh, we need a photographer for a week of summer camp. Is that something like we'd pay your way? We can't pay you, unfortunately, <laughs> but I can pay, like you can ride the bus up with kids. <laughs> And as a new photographer, I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Mm. (laughs) Like, they found me specifically, and they're going (laughs) to pay my way for an entire week. I'm not going to have to pay anything. And it didn't cross my mind. Like, this is something that eventually people pay for. for. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I started at Surf City and Laurelville in 2009, doing camp pictures, did that for a number of years. Uh, eventually started taking on more responsibility in the camp space. And then 2017 uh, was hired on to P- PKF uh, staff full time as the
0: creative director. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so a lot of your uh, even like young adult life has been spent learning camp, being in camp. How has camp played a role in your own discipleship? Uh, specifically working, I guess, with the PKF and in the role that you've been in kind of behind the scenes and now kind of leading. How has that played into your own personal discipleship? Yeah. Um, yeah,
3: so I, I weirdly only went to like, I think, one or two PKF camps as a, a student. Never went as a leader uh, until later in life. But uh, most of my time was spent on staff. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of have a, a little bit of a unique kind of experience but in a lot of ways still the same as what we kind of intentionally program for the campers right i uh my closest friends to this day i made serving at and working at camps like surf city and laurelville each year Mm because it's just that consistency Mm -hmm. it's the the kind of being in the trenches and pulling off a camp planning a camp doing what it takes to to make it work um and and put on a, a good experience for for that period of time so that's awesome in my life when when stuff has been hard like one of the things that we kind of say over and over again at camp is like they're designed to build those relationships Mm -hmm. between students between campers and then between campers and their leaders and when stuff has gotten difficult in my life when when i've been going through like dark times or dark periods or whatever like my closest I've been able to turn some of those close friends that I formed relationships with at camp yeah so it's been it's been huge
1: Mm. that's awesome Jack what about you tell us your story now for those of you don't know you have a very strong tie to the Pittsburgh Kids Foundation and maybe you'll probably share that in your story but yeah tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are
2: yeah so I'm 27 years old I've been to camp for 27 years. (laughs) <laughs> and it's been great, but yeah, Surf City and Laurelville have been a huge part of my life. Um, for that reason, uh, both my parents have been involved in kind of directing and running those camps. So yeah, grew up. Gosh, I mean, yeah. When you ask about memories, I have memories from, that like, you know, my whole childhood. So, um, so yeah, grew up in that kind of realm and haven't gotten away from it. So. Um, student, leader, staff, um, all that good stuff, and I think probably the most telling part or you know, the most, um, I mean, the, the clearest depiction of my passion for camps is, I mean, I went to school um, for business and loved it and had a great experience with that and um, got a good job out of, out of college. And just kept staying involved with PKF in a volunteer capacity and um, eventually had the opportunity to join that team full time. So it's been almost three years now. and you know at camp is it's really hard for me to get away from, mm-hmm. but I just <laughs> full transparency this summer with Roger, I was like, you know, after 26 years or 27 years of this, I think it's okay that I'm getting a little burnout on it. Um, so that's that was just a fun and funny realization. Um, but, like, camp has been such a, a huge piece of my life. Um, you know, I'll never um, stop believing in it, never stop working um, towards it. You know, our mission at PKF Camps is to introduce students um, to Christ and inspire them to live life with Him. So... In my experience as a Christian, um, camps are a really effective way to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good transition for what we want the heart of this particular episode to be about. And where do you guys, you know, I mean, Laurelville's been happening for almost 60 years, something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And then so... um, How about this? Maybe this will be helpful for people who have no idea what we're talking about. We're using phrases like Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. You know, what is the organization and what ultimately are you guys trying to accomplish and do? Um, Right, yeah.
3: (laughs) No, set time on that. Yeah, I'm sure you could.
1: Give (laughs) me the tweet version of it. Right. So
3: uh, Pittsburgh Kids Foundation, a thread, right? Yeah, Um, right, yeah. (laughs) No, so PKF or Pittsburgh Kids Foundation is a Christian organization, non-denominational, but Christian faith-based here in Pittsburgh. We are involved in a couple different areas of work, but students are the common thread in all of that work. Mm -hmm. Um, So today, primarily, we're talking about PKF camps. That's kind of like one leg underneath one of the things that we do Mm -hmm. at at PKF. We're also involved in, uh, or we run a network of youth leaders uh, throughout the year, throughout the school year. Um, really just because we believe in youth pastors, we believe in in youth ministry that happens not only at camp, but throughout the year. Um, And and we can talk about how those kind of dovetail together nicely uh, in a bit. And then the third thing, kind of area of work is PKF Haiti. Uh, We work with uh, kids and community development organizations in Cap-Haitian Haiti. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know if our conversation will take us to some of the parallels between our, our work at Surf City and Laurelville, those camps that we run here in the states, and the the camps that we run in in Haiti or not, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been cool over the years to see kind of those parallels.
1: That's a good overview, and I think one thing I would want to comment on is, I I think we are so normalized to the fact that there is a network of youth pastors that can actually all centralize and meet, so you know we kind of do north south east west central uh pittsburgh and i don't know how many other cities actually have a hub where they can actually gather together from their entire city to come together for you know several reasons one to to lean on the shoulder of other youth pastors to meet meet people in that regard and network in that way and then three actually have a um a single, you know, goal for everybody in that area to try to come to those particular camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think your consistency, uh, your, what you mentioned about consistency in relationships is really cool. And I think that's, Jeremy and I met there. We all, you know, gather around that. A lot of my good friends I've met through the PKF and a lot of the people I lean on um and i think that's going to continue to be true we had our first pkf north uh, or not north meeting we had that this month but for everybody to come together it was awesome like it was we missed that all in 2020 we you guys so wonderfully tried to do that on zoom but you know and what's funny is sophia when when i told her about you know coming to the in-person one for the first time because she's only ever experienced the one on zoom and she was just like I don't know. Is it going to be like the Zoom one? And I was like, listen, you got to be, you got a grain of salt. And and of course, she loved it yeah. when she came in person and, and met a lot of people. And I think that is such a unique uh, thing that you guys offer that is available that I'm sure that a lot of youth pastors or the three that are listening uh, are very, you know, maybe jealous of because they don't have networks.
0: Well, and, and that was one of the things I was so lucky when I first showed up here in 2006 that my associate pastor said, hey, go check out. It was
1: the PKN at
0: that yeah, time. Yeah, PKN, yeah. Um, it's changed its name about yeah. four times yeah. since but we'll, my arrival. We'll stick with PKF. Yeah. But yeah, and, and getting plugged in there and meeting so many folks who were in ministry and me being brand new, not knowing anything, 23 years old, right out of college, hopping into youth ministry, um, networking in that regard really, I think, kept me from heading down paths in ministry that might have just been doing stuff I shouldn't be and, and getting to bounce ideas off of other people, build relationships. So it's not just the camp side of PKF that we're appreciative of. Though that's what we're talking about today. But yeah, get into a network. If you're not a part of a network, um, be the initiator, call the, the youth pastors in your area and say, Hey, come to my church and I'll provide breakfast or something like who's going to turn that down, but someone's got to initiate that. And I, I can't, I can't go through all the ways that that's been a blessing in my own life and ministry. But um, you're hearing the fruit of that in our conversation.
1: Yeah, what's funny about that is when I first arrived into Pittsburgh and I wasn't familiar with it, uh, I actually tried to do that. I was just like, hey, we need a network of youth pastors. And actually, Andrew Rowland... Came to my meeting, and we met. We met at like the Applebee's down in the water in Waterworks, and eventually, at some point in the conversation, where I was describing all this, he's like, "You know, this exists," <laughs> and like a hundred plus people are involved in this. I was like, "Oh, when's that one meet?" And so we—that was the—that was the day my dream for a network died, and then I just joined what had already existed. So it was good. So enough of that. Uh, Let—we wanted to hear your guys's heart behind camp and where you guys sense that it fits uh, into the discipleship process?
2: Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, our mission at PKF camps is to introduce and inspire. Um, So introduce students to Christ, inspire them to live life with them. Um, So I think what's unique about PKF camps to a certain extent, and um, you guys can, chime in after and and let me know if we're meeting our goals and things like that, which is great. But what's unique is that students come to our camps um, with friends, obviously, but also with their youth workers, with their youth pastors, Um, have a great camp experience, but also they leave and return home with those same students, with those same youth leaders. Growing up, I went to a couple different camps and, you know, like sports camps and things like that and met new kids, met new counselors or whatever and didn't have that same experience in that you know it's always like weird, like you think your counselor is great and they they love you, but then they like disappear out of your life or maybe they're super intentional and they write you letters, but it's just not the same. So um, yeah, in in terms of discipleship, um, so much of what we do and really our heart and the question we ask and remind our staff over and over again is, hey, is this setting up youth leaders for success both in the week like right now but even more so are we setting them up for success um, throughout the, the school year are we launching um, building momentum for their programs as they return back um, so in terms of the discipleship process yeah we, we love to be that introduction we love to inspire but um, at the end of the day it's really about setting up the youth leaders for success because we know that they're the ones that really pour into these students
1: It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, the way that you do that is so appreciated because I've run retreats myself for my own groups and I find uh, I'm so divided uh, about getting everything done and and for PKF to come in and run a camp or run a retreat. It really does free up us in leadership to focus on relationships. Um, And, So that's why we love Lorville, and that's why we love Surf City. And that's why this last year and a half has been hard because our group hasn't come together the same way as it would have had we had a weekend away in the fall or a week away in the summer uh, for leaders to really build relationships. So I, I think you are absolutely hitting that nail on the head. It comes down to what are leaders expecting as they come into camp versus what camp actually is. And I think some, there's some expectations that are put upon camp that uh, maybe shouldn't be there in, in some respects.
1: Yeah. Rod, you want to add anything? Um,
3: no, I think Jack summed it up really well.
1: So what's interesting is when we think about camp, there is a wide variety of people who have the content of camp. Let's talk about that. Mm. So I think you know the model of ministry that you guys run is, um, is very, you know, this would be maybe a familiar phrase, but young life based. And in terms of, uh, you know, you have, uh, for, for our students we have in the winter, we do like a winter retreat, but that's more kind of like a tools in the tool belt, disciple, you know, uh, equipping sort of weekend. And that's not necessarily um, the only way to do camp because uh, because you guys tend to do what we would call more of an outreach minded, uh, you have a particular kid in mind uh, to come. So, what do you think it is? Besides maybe the fact that that's what PKF's kind of always been the model. But you know, why do you think they've decided on that as being the model versus kind of like a, a hard and fast discipleship, like only Christian kids should ever come to this, or some sort of thing like that?
3: That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think I think that's kind of our our target because that's kids need that. You know, like it's yeah. it's the. Um, It's the kids who don't come to church who, uh, need Jesus. You know, it's the kids who don't know Jesus that, that need Jesus the most. Um, and I think that in some ways camp is hopefully an easy ask, uh, especially like a, just a weekend long thing like Laurelville, um, Hey, come away for a weekend. Like, you know, if a, a kid, has a friend who isn't familiar with church, doesn't know Christ, um, going to play and hopefully win the, the mud football tournament is a hopefully easy ask, um, as opposed to, hey, come to a specific church service with me. Um, and it, it's in those fun moments. You know, camp is, is full of, we talk about like the, the loud fun moments and then the smaller, quieter moments as well. And you get, our camps are designed so that you get a, a good mixture of both. And it's in those still small spaces where um, the Holy Spirit kind of has
0: space to work. Kinda. Yeah. Well, and and this might be a question more for you, Joel, uh, than even for Jack or Roger, but what I've found is we've talked a lot about attractional ministry and we can draw a crowd, but sometimes those kids don't come back. I've found that if I can get a kid to invite a friend to camp, the success rate of that student then becoming a part of our ministry and coming week in, week out is way higher than if I get them to come to any other fun event. Like a two-hour event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and so having that ask be easier gives a, a very specific point of challenging our students, and this is what we do, and I know you do something similar, is to say, hey, we're talking about making disciples. This could be the first step in helping one of your friends come to faith in Christ and be a disciple. And so if we're serious about making disciples, this is a great first way to take that step. Um, I don't know if you've experienced some of that too, where you've had friends come and then stick.
1: After we have, it was funny enough as I have a student um, who is in my Bible study now that he's a junior in uh, high school, and his first camp he ever came to was Surf City, and it's funny is that the kid he and in, that invited him isn't as as part of our <laughs> ministry anymore. So it, I think there is a I want you know I never thought about that before, you know the idea of we. Not that we're anti-attraction in youth ministry, I think, but if you build your whole foundation of your ministry on that, I I don't think it creates the longevity of success that I think people really crave in this. And I love what you had said, Jack. It's like we're trying to set up success, and I'm sure it's the long-term success of that relational ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder, you know, if I went back and looked at my roster of all the kids who've ever come, you know, who has stuck through, I, I'd never really considered camp as a, sure. an attractional model of ministry. Cause I think it's just a soul, whole separate category.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe not even necessarily stuck, but even come back. Right. Like, I think that's the challenge that we've had when we do a big event type stuff, they come for the big event and then they don't come back again. Yeah. Um, but usually you get done with a weekend of camp um, or even like we did a camping trip uh, this past summer and we had some friends come that I've never met before. And, they're coming to youth group now, weekly. Um, and it's like, I could have done any, an overnighter even and they don't come back. But when you do something that's a few nights and you're in relationship, and particularly with Lauraville, where I know Bible studies led, I can just be with my students. I know worship is, is ready. I know there's a speaker bringing the word. Like, all those things are taken care of. I can really focus in on one-on-ones with students, one-on-ones with leaders too. And, and, and it, I think, just breeds a different level of community than big events and, and other things that happen
3: and i think on that note too just the the length of camp helps with mm, that yeah. right like you can you build so much more relational equity hmm. when you are with someone and relational equity is such a weird term too but I just it. you build I a, a better relationship sure. um with a friend with a leader with a camper, or whatever when the longer That you're together, you know, the longer that you're experiencing something together and you could invite someone to like a a two hour youth group kickoff. And and that's all well and good. But coming away for like a whole weekend or a Mm -hmm. whole week and then not only having those high points like wave runners and tubing and mud football, but also really having space and having the opportunity to do the difficult work of um, wrestling with the truth of the gospel, mm-hmm. that build that in and of itself builds community and builds relationship mm-hmm. between students, between students and leaders, between leaders. Um, it, it, it's going through—I found in my life, even outside of camp, that going through difficult things with people, um, that forms a relationship stronger than— just the high points mm-hmm. of life, you know, mm-hmm. and whether that is a difficult physical challenge, like running a race, or difficult emotional things, like digging through um, stuff at camp, or having mm-hmm. that space to do that, um, it, it's digging through, it's those people that we dig through or go through difficult times with that we have the best relationships with. And I think camp provides space for both the the mountaintop highs like tubing and mud football and all that um and also that space to really um kind of do the do the difficult work and and, but not be alone in that go through that difficult stuff with uh, a leader or uh, a friend
0: well and that's such a beautiful picture of i mean that's what the church in acts was described to be right these christians are being persecuted and hammered at every angle and the only place they have sanctuaries with one another and and to form that relational bond I mean now camp may not necessarily create uh, persecution in the lives of the people there but it's the same idea they're coming with all of this mess and they're put into a cabin with leaders that love them and and I think the big thing is that leaders go from that weird person who I don't really know who you are and parents don't really know who you are mm-hmm. to that's my leader mm. right and, and something changes i remember i took students one time to a pirate game and um one of the parents asked another parent said who is this guy and why is he taking our kids to a game like he, does he just like hanging out with middle school girls like what's going on i was like 27 yeah and and usually i don't get those questions going to a retreat or a camp because we've done a lot more prep of communicating what's going on and what we're doing and and there's more conversation with parents. And we come away from that weekend with stories that kids go home and tell their parents. And now all of a sudden parents start to buy into what's happening in the lives of their kids based on those stories. So I think there's this ripple effect that is good and why camp is good. I think the challenge comes often that um, kids can unfortunately... And not necessarily because we've said this or done this. Attach too much to that experience at camp, and not enough to their experience in the Word, and and they can separate the two. Um, and we know that that's not the goal of camp, but that doesn't right, sometimes right, right. mean right, that yeah. that's the unintended yeah, pull Duffy, away. Duffy Robbins
1: calls that Tarzan Christianity. Said that you swing from experience to experience, and so. But I think that the point you're trying to make is like building those relationships in that that weekend helps to solidify the consistency of it when they're gone. Absolutely. You know, one of the questions I wanted to, you actually answered one of them. Uh, at least it's a selling point. I was going to ask like, Hey, if you're, maybe you're a person that's never been to camp or don't believe in it, like what would you say? And I think you said a lot of that uh, in terms of the the importance of the time spent in the relational equity that you build. Um, Cause one of the things I, I don't know if I've said it on here before, but I've said it to my leaders is uh, imagine uh, that you take the time that you spend uh, on youth group uh, each month or each week, each week. Uh, camp is about six months worth of youth ministry in, mm-hmm. you know, in a 72-hour period. And so it's just been pretty, it's been pretty cool to see what God can do in that that quick amount of time. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I mean before it's over, like the, the depth of relationship is, is already built uh, in that. It, you know, another question that popped in my head just because we're sort of in the midst of it, but like, you guys had to navigate cam- navigate camp through COVID. Tell us a little bit about that experience uh, of that, but the adjustments that you made in the successes that you saw. This, just, this just can also three.
0: be a time of counseling. Yeah, and- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, man. Do you want to start
3: with this? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much
1: so we we you can add a sensor thing in right yeah. you can start bleeping stuff okay yeah. yeah
2: no I mean yeah I mean just looking back I think I guess I'll start here um, not having camp reaffirmed for us mm. is for sure how important it is um, so yeah, maybe just that in and of itself was a much needed thing for, um, maybe PKF camps or, um,
3: and workers. hearing from youth pastors too, um, a, like hearing from kids messaging us on like our PKF camps, like social media accounts, like mm-hmm. I'm so sad that camp's not happening. It's like, yeah, I am too. Um, but then more so maybe even hearing from youth pastors, like both of you guys, like we really miss camp. Like we, yeah. So.
1: Yeah. When we started the season, I, that was like the number one thing I said I was looking forward to was actually getting kids back to camp. And cause we found that, uh, like we missed a whole year and a half of camp. And so I have kids who don't have any category for that. And so
0: I have a sophomore who joined us in the middle of COVID who was like you go to camp? Yeah. <laughs> like he's so that? he is so they probably so also think it's excited. like Thames too. Yeah. Well he what we went camping. <laughs> right. Yeah. They probably this was camp. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that's what's interesting is it's it's a new season and like you said at the onset many 6th graders who haven't experienced anything like this
1: um, especially some the last of these kids who've never been away from, from home before at all. That's yeah. the trouble. That, yeah. That's the thing that's that a I'm challenge. running into too, as well. But you know, what else, what do you guys feel like you learned as a result? That was one thing you learned for yeah. sure. Yeah. What, what are some of the like things that you saw that were like, okay, it was, this is great to be back or, you know,
2: I think, um, yeah, for me, what I learned was, um, yeah, just the important role that um, camps plays in the, and again, we, we knew this all along, but the important role that camps does play in the year long entire like discipleship journey, mm-hmm. um, specifically within the network. So you know, not only was it a bummer to miss a few camps, and you know, we can talk about you know some ways in which we you know we were able to do some stuff this summer, which was great, and you know, learned a lot, did some virtual things, and that was all great. But um, really learned that. Camps really is truly a catalyst for year-long ministry. Um, Also reaffirmed, in my mind, the outreach model in that um, I know growing up, and Jeremy, you can probably relate to this as well as a pastor's kid, um, Surf City for me in Laurelville was a place that I knew that um, I can invite my friends to and that uh, they would feel welcomed. Uh, one of the kind of the language we use at PKF camps is it's okay for students to feel uncomfortable while they're at camp, but it's never okay for them to feel unwelcome. Um, so we like kind of work with that in our staff. But yeah, to answer your question a little bit more specifically, um, A learned, you know, camps matter, but really peel back the veil a little bit. And they really matter because they are a true catalyst for year long discipleship.
1: So you guys are like the behind-the-scenes heroes, I, and 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 Jeremy and I only know that because we've seen you in that capacity. Um, I know both of you though love to be in the spotlight, love to be on stage, love to be getting that crowd hyped up. No, I but you guys, uh, I, I love your heart because what you guys do is a lot of that groundwork behind the scenes, you know, training and getting everybody in the right places. And If you guys don't know, these guys run four different weekends, uh, from the beginning of November, all the way through the beginning of, uh, December, uh, save Thanksgiving weekend. And then, uh, typically you run three week long camps, uh, you know, in the summer. So with all of that hard work that you guys do and with all of the hours of prep and all of the hours of review and then everything in between, what do you guys think it is for you that makes you go, this was all worth it?
3: There's moments every year, every camp, right? But some stick out a a little bit more. Um, I think specifically for me, it was week one, camp one of Surf City this past summer. Um, It was in a lot of ways, even more difficult of a planning, more intense of a planning process because I don't know, Jack, how many hours we each spent on like government Uh, (laughs) websites and web pages, CDC, like Department of Health. And it doesn't help in this case either that Surf City is in Western Michigan. So we're two Pittsburgh boys trying to figure out what the state of Michigan, what the local health department in the county of Oceania, Michigan is recommending, then what the CDC is saying we have to do, what the the all this licensing stuff and and so uh, countless hours trying to decipher all this covid guidelines and stuff Mm. and and i can't tell you how many times like jack and i would be on the phone it was probably more so me just being like jack is this even worth it dude like this Mm. is such a headache this is such a a pain in the yeah thank you but um and 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 we got to camp and it, it was cool you know like kind of the the same feeling every year when camp is like takes off and it's up in the air and it's running and it, it's fun, it's exciting. Um, but it felt a little bit flat for me this year just because it's uh during the week, during this first week, right? And then um I think it was the last night, like Thursday night or or Thursday morning's leader meeting, um someone from a church, like a, a leader from a church from a cabin was like, a. Uh, one of my girls wants to get baptized tomorrow morning. Um, can we make that happen? And we were like, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and so wake up extra early the next morning, go down there. And um, this girl had written out uh, her testimony, shared it with her friends in her cabin, and um, actually had a friend as she and her leader are standing in the lake, like waiting to to baptize her. One of her friends read just a a selection of her testimony and like that's when it it hit Mm -hmm. me. I was like, okay, like I've had a a pretty crappy attitude at points like Mm -hmm. leading up to camp, even through this first week. This is why it matters. This is why it's important. And as an extra layer of just full circle-ness, my leader in high school, my youth pastor in high school, um, the same one that launched oranges off the balcony, <laughs> his daughter was the friend that read oh, this wow. girl's hmm. testimony. Um, so to be in that kind of space, um, just with, with that kind of coincidence and then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, just being able to witness, a, a middle school kid making that, big of a decision, um, after a week of camp was, was this year for me when it, it hit me.
0: Well, we, we appreciate your faithfulness because I think it can be so hard in the midst of ministry when it gets tough to keep pushing through. And it is moments like that, that poke through the darkness and remind us, Hey, even for one kid, even for one conversation, even for one moment, um, that this is what God's called us to do to serve. That's fantastic. Jack, do you have any, anything to, to add to that, any thoughts? Yeah, Not-
2: that, was, that was definitely a big moment, for sure, for both of us. Um, I guess, like, yeah, similar, but a little bit um, more lighthearted was this kid was just waiting to, mine are always, like, uh, <laughs> outdoors, like, goofy bass, but this is, like, <laughs> sixth-grader-ish, um, waiting to get on the Wave Runners. We had two brand-new Wave Runners this year at Surf City. They're... Crazy Does that mean fast. I could
1: ride him again if I come back up? No. Come on. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> um,
2: waiting to get on the wave runner, and he's like, "Man, like how fast do these go? Like, can I drive? Blah blah blah." Like, asking me all these questions, and then um, finally got around like asking him questions. He's like, really, yeah, sixth grader, like total spaz. Um, <laughs> but hey, like, like tell me about your week. How's it going? And. Like I wish I could have recorded him and we could play it back on the podcast because it's like the greatest thing ever. He's like, Yeah, like it's just really good to be like away from everything at home and to get away from my phone and just to not feel anxious and like mm-hmm. he just like went off, like in the most like, you know, beautiful way. And I was like, Yeah, this is uh it's totally worth it.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. That's the when we get to those sort of stories, that's how you know that you're, you guys are doing a great job and that what you guys are doing for the Lord is not in vain. Jeremy, you want to close us up here? Yeah.
0: Um, well, friends, if you've been through this podcast this whole time, you're still here. We thank you yes. so much mm-hmm. uh, for joining us. If you're new and you just found us, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or uh, wherever it is you get your podcast. We do appreciate that. Thank you, Jack and Roger, for coming and giving us some yeah, of the heart thanks. behind the scenes of why camps are a part of discipleship and they're not this jettison thing that just sit uh, a weekend in the fall or sometime in the summer but they can be an integrated part into our ministries and those of you that uh, are considering whether or not to do camps i'd I'd find a way to to put those moments together find networks that are doing them Um, ultimately this is all for god's glory and we thank you for spending some time with us here as we've talked. You can uh, check us out in all the normal places. Yep. Uh, anything else to add? Joel, what, what are we talking about next time?
1: Next time, we're going to be having uh, who I, a guy I refer to as the Troy Palamalu of uh, youth ministry that he is very effective and he covers a lot of ground. Uh, which actually increases his stock because Troy Palamal is in the Football Hall of Fame now. But but he's going to talk to us a little bit about what it looks like to create an outreach program within the context of a school, which I think uh, he has a very unique perspective of how he does that. I'm really looking forward to that conversation.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this
0: episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcast. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making.
1: Catch you on the next one.